you want an atomic pepper, Mr. Manolino? Nah. You guys go ahead. Huh? I'll do it if you will, Lloyd. Okay. <laughs> you go first. No, uh-uh, no. You go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go, you go first. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the Tri-City Chili Peppers, who play just south of Richmond, Virginia. Later on in this episode, I'll be speaking with designer Sky Dillon, and I will be speaking with Denise Kuhn of the Chili Pepper Research Institute at New Mexico State University. And of course, Dan Simon will be back with a Studio Simon Stumper. Right now, I am so happy to be joined by Chris Martin, who is the owner and founder of the Tri-City Chili Peppers. And the Tri-Cities in question that we're talking about now are uh, in the greater Richmond, Virginia area. That is Petersburg, Colonial Heights, and Hopewell. The team plays in Colonial Heights. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. The first thing that sort of catches my eye about this team, I lived in Richmond, Virginia for 10 years. I went to school at the University of Richmond and uh, and then VCU for grad school. So well familiar with the area. I don't necessarily associate it with with spicy food and and hot chilies. So how did how did a team based in Colonial Heights, Virginia, come to be known as the Tri-City Chili Peppers? Yeah, so I think like the, the whole chili pepper approach was actually voted by fans. It didn't even have to do with us uh, pulling out a couple names in our hats and going, hey, let's narrow it down. We, we opened it up to our fans as a voting competition, and it was just kind of crazy how everything started coming together. I actually wanted a different name. But uh, this was one of the top ones that we were really pulling for, and it ended up coming through through a true fan vote, which was really neat. That is that is very cool. It's a uh, uh, you know when the fan actually has like a legitimate voice because so often you hear about these like fan votes that are not actually fan votes, right? Like this, like the team goes in knowing what they're going to be and somehow orchestrates that. So good for you guys for actually you know following the the fans themselves. How what's the reception been since 2020 when the when the brand was unveiled? I think immediately it was it was a success, right? The colors can really pop, and we being able to work with Sky on the design of the chili pepper itself uh, was a huge plus for us, having such a great creation of our logo. But immediately, I mean, the colors with red, green, and yellow uh, just does a phenomenal job. It's it's kid friendly, and so from the get go, everybody was really excited about the chili peppers. From from your perspective as you know the owner and founder of a team in the Coastal Plain League, it's a collegiate summer level team. You know, it it hasn't always been the case. It's more recently been the case that that teams in leagues like this will go with a designer like Sky Dillon. They'll go with a high end designer to create a brand, even though it's a, a lower level of you know minor league baseball, lowercase minor league baseball. What was your thinking in in terms of you know going going all out for, you know, a high-end brand for a collegiate summer level team? Yeah, I think immediately it was, it was a very important piece of our design and our character was making sure that our logo was right. When we came into the league, one of the biggest deciding factors of bringing a team to the CPL to Colonial Heights was honestly the Savannah Bananas. They were in our league at the time. Um, they're in the Coastal Plain League. Same with Macon Bacon. And they're both food products uh, as a name. And so uh, I looked at Jesse Cole as a mentor of mine and the Savannah Bananas organization as a whole, as a mentor of the Chili Peppers. And so when I went to them and just expressed our thoughts and our concepts, as well as going with Justin Sellers, who's our, who was our league um, president at the time, and just having conversations going, who have others started to use that are successful in our league? And I need to make sure that we're following their same steps. Uh, and hopefully we're just as successful. You're not going to start playing a game with like wacky rules where, you know, the, the the ball has to be on fire and they have to catch it in a and then cherry pie instead of a glove or, you know, they got to do somersaults on their way down the baselines. Is that uh, hopefully there's no big rule changes coming in the yeah. Coastal Plain League? No, I don't think we're planning on doing any of those. We're, we're pretty big on baseball and, and keeping baseball fun for the fans. Absolutely. Now, there are three chili peppers you play in the Tri-Cities. Does each chili pepper align with a specific city or is it just that there's three like is is the is the red one that you're wearing on your shirt right now? Is that 
Colonial Heights and the yellow one is Hopewell. I, so it's, you know what I'm asking is, are, is it a one-to-one or is it just absolutely. the fact that there's three? Yeah, absolutely. I think we get asked that quite often, believe it or not. They're like, Hey, what does the red pepper represent? What's the green and what's the yellow pepper represent? Honestly, we just wanted it to be a family mentality, right? We are the Tri-Cities. We are not just Colonial Heights. There's not really a designated pepper per city location um, because we wanted that whole family look and feel. Some people may lead, read into it and say, hey, you know, Blaze is Colonial Heights and Holly might be, you know, Petersburg or Hopewell. And so, but we don't want that whole approach at the end of the day. It is a family. We're the Tri-Cities not just Colonial Heights. And then also outside of that, we've got Chesterfield County, Midlothian, Chester, Dinwiddie, and a lot of other locations that are extremely impactful for our success that we want to capitalize on as well. So it's it's a collective group, an entire uh, group outside of just the Tri-Cities as well. So you you threw a couple of names out there. Blaze obviously is the the red one. That's the the pepper in the middle. Which one did you say? Holly? So which one is yeah, Holly? Yeah, Holly the jalapeno. She is the green pepper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And, <laughs> and then, then there's the a yellow, yellow pepper. Yeah. There's a yellow pepper. We haven't named the yellow pepper. It's been one of those things that's kind of uh, interesting because not a lot of people know about the, we don't bring the yellow pepper out often. And so, uh, but because we have a mascot of the yellow pepper, but we don't bring it out often. And we actually have never named the yellow pepper, which is pretty interesting. We have a fourth pepper that we have named, which is an orange pepper. And his name is Tang. And he's supposed to kind of rival Blaze. So, yeah. <laughs> it will could Tang eventually make it into the? Uh, is is there like a a relegation system where Tang might bump out the yellow one from the logo? It could, it could, right? I think Tang is such a competitor uh, against Blaze, which is really interesting. In our games, Tang actually runs and chases down Blaze, and they kind of have fights throughout the game. And there's just like this competitive for who's the most masculine pepper and Tang's just not happy because he's not the popular one yet. So everyone kind of boos him when he's running around the stadium. We just have fun with him. So it's a good time. The yellow one could be Yelinda. Yelinda would be good. Yeah. Yelinda. I don't know. I'm, I'm, but we're, let's put this out to the uh, baseball by design listenership out there in the world. We need suggestions for the name for the, the yellow pepper. I feel bad that the yellow one doesn't, doesn't have a, a, a name yet. In terms of, you know, the the timing of the existence of this team, the first year that the team existed obviously was a, a COVID year, so sort of a lost year. But sort of interestingly, the team, you know, existed only as a brand, not as a, a team on the on the field. And I'll and I'll ask Sky about that in terms of the the branding side of that. But for for you all existing only as a brand rather than a baseball team how how did that impact your launch of this this team yeah that was that uh, 2020 was just crazy for everybody but starting a new organization in the middle of covid was uh was honestly something you look back and you probably go that's insane what what were you doing what were you, what were you thinking but at the end of the day we we had no clue right it, it really came through a couple of months before our season we all of a sudden lost it had to completely refocus and create a different mentality going into our 2020 season. So it was very challenging, but at the same time, it allowed us to create a brand and create an existence of who we're going to be and allowed us to focus on the character of the Chili Peppers and the brand of the Chili Peppers versus just getting ready for a season. So there were some positives to it that we took out of it and had to be creative of creating this new brand awareness about the Chili Peppers versus just getting ready for game day, which was interesting. Going into our very first season, we were a month out from opening day in 2021 and still didn't know if we can have people in the stadium. Hmm. So we spent realistically two years just focusing on brand awareness and creating this atmosphere around the Chili Peppers without ever having a game. So it was definitely different. And going into opening day, uh, it rained out and then it got pushed to Monday. And so it was it was all this built up tension but it was phenomenal at the end of the day to create that brand over two years you, you know you mentioned the savannah bananas who were in the coastal plain league and you know for a while coexisted as both banana ball and the collegiate summer level coastal plain league team i think that led to a certain amount of confusion and eventually the bananas pulled out of the, the coastal plain league what has been the impact the sort of lasting impact of the bananas on the cpl after their departure has that uh you know attention that that came to the league with them 
endured uh and and are what are what are the teams and how are you all sort of carrying that that baton that they passed to you yeah i think before the bananas kind of blew up a lot of the cpl was just strictly performance on the field which i think is extremely important i i've got a baseball background my whole mentality is baseball but what they brought is the entertainment side of the game and i think it was a, definitely a lasting a, a big lasting impact on all the owners in the entire league and gave us a different way of thinking of how do we entertain our fans. Now, at the end of the day, we're not going to stretch it as far as the bananas. That's they're very special and unique in what they do and do an amazing job. But with them being in our league, they taught us a lot about fan entertainment, engagement, how we can be different and how we can still have a great product on the field and then an amazing product off the field with entertainment. So they allowed us and, and taught a lot of the owners this approach. Their departure uh, was one of those things I think was Honestly, it was a little expected at some point, right? Like they were really doing things so differently. I could see them leaving the league at that time. And I think at the end of the day, it was the right move for the Bananas. And obviously they've blown up with their world tour. So yeah. everybody's excited for them. For us, at the end of the day, we took away a lot of experience uh, through the entertainment piece. And that's the most important part. Uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of collegiate summer leagues there now, especially after the reorganization of affiliated minor league baseball. There's probably a lot more collegiate summer baseball. Do you find that using branding and, you know, these sort of cool uniforms that you guys have, there's one sleeveless uniform that I think is really fun. Do you do you find that branding uniforms, the team identity helps you get noticed by college players who you're trying to attract to come play with the team? Is that something that you all actively use for that purpose? Absolutely. That's a really big uh, focus of ours is one, if we can have a, a stadium full of 2000 people on a game day, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And then two, our players love the social media aspect and the branding aspect behind what we do. So when they come out to the ballpark, if they're having fun and they feel like they're being cheered on and encouraged and celebrated with the cool jerseys they just play better right it's just a, it's an atmosphere built in, around the field and the guys play better so they love coming out and enjoying it but the, the sleeveless jerseys are just a huge hit from day one with all of our guys they're they're lifting weights in the dugouts and they're just enjoying it <laughs> do they do the players get to choose which jerseys they they wear and is that the most popular one uh, so our manager sets aside the jerseys on what they're going to wear. Now, the very last game of the year last year, we allowed our players to wear whatever jersey they wanted, whatever jersey they wanted to wear on the field. So, yeah. so you had, I think we had four different jerseys on, on the field at one time, which was really cool <laughs> to see what they picked. And a lot of the guys picked the green ones. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are the CPL teams trying to sort of outdo each other with bright colors now? I feel like there's a lot of bright colored teams in the CPL. You're seeing it more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It starts to become a trend. All right, so my last question, Chris, and then I'll get you out of here, is was there any conversation about the spelling of Chili when you were creating the team name? Because, you know, I've seen C-H-I-L-I -I and I've seen C-H-I-L-E, and I even tried to, like, do a little research on it before, you know, having having this conversation uh, and these conversations for this episode. What, what, what was the deciding factor to go with the I instead of the E in the end? Yeah, I, I never thought about it all that much into that topic on the spelling. Honestly, I'm not the best speller in the world. So when <laughs> I saw chili as a uh, chili cooking competition, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Let's just go C-H-I-L-I. It kind of rolls off the tongue. We do have a separate brand that Sky created for us, which is our alter ego, which is C-H-I-L-L-Y. And that's our alter ego. So that's really the, the play on. We wanted our brand to be uh, continued after year one, and we were required to do an alter ego. So doing the same word, but spelled differently, made a lot of sense. And we were allowed to have that like hot and cold flip, which was really cool. Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been a, a ton of fun. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk about this brand. As I mentioned, I lived in Richmond for 10 years. I've been looking for reasons to get back there because it's a city that I really love. So I'm going to try to time that to make sure I come see a Tri-City Chili Peppers game. In the meantime, where can folks find you? Where can folks find the team on, on social media and online and whatnot? Uh, so if you do go chilipeppersbaseball.com, or sorry, go chili peppers, then you can find us on social media. And if you go to www.chilipeppersbaseball.com, you can find our website and everything that you need. Chris, thank you so much. This has been uh, this has been really fun. Look forward to getting to, to a game in Colonial Heights. Yep. Thank you, Paul.
All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm so pleased to welcome back to the podcast, friend of the podcast, Sky Dillon. Sky, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? I am doing so, so well. So happy to be talking about the Tri-City Chili Peppers. This is such a, a fun brand, another product of Sky Design. It's a very recognizable brand. Obviously, the you know anthropomorphic chili peppers is kind of fun. How much research did you do into different kinds, different colors of chili peppers going into this this project? It was it was a fun one, Paul. This was uh, the result of a name the team contest. So initially, the idea of a chili pepper in Virginia didn't necessarily have a lot of uh, symbolism or rec recognition, if you will. It wasn't really kind of a natural nickname for that for that area outside of Richmond, uh, the Tri City area. But uh, as you alluded to, always research to do to find those unique connections that we can make. And, you know, yeah, digging into research is pretty simple. We went to the grocery store a lot, <laughs> <laughs> went down the produce aisle, checked out the different types of peppers that were there, kind of, you know, seeing what colors were iconic in the, in, the, in terms of different chili peppers. And, and, and pretty early on, it was obvious that it was going to be this very vibrant palette. Red, green, yellow seemed to make a lot of sense just in terms of what comes to mind initially for for anyone when they think of chili peppers. And so that was really our, you know, initial, initial takeaway from the research. So you've got, you've got three chili peppers with uh, various stages. Of, I guess the, the number three here is pretty good, right? Because you've got the bat, the ball and the glove. So each one of the, uh, the chili peppers has one element of the, uh, the game of baseball here. Working with that number three, working with three chili peppers, obviously it's a reference to, to the Tri-Cities, what you know? What were the possibilities there? What were you exploring with 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 that number three, and as, as it pertains to the game of baseball? Exactly. So it was less about finding landmarks in that region, just because we were trying to you know really represent three different towns together. So very quickly we pivoted from what may be you know you know instinctively going into an identity project. We'll look at landmarks. We'll look at the region, things like that. But very quickly it was more about telling the story of community and multiple towns in the region coming together to support their local team. And so very naturally that name Tri-City lent itself to, you know, concepts of three. And other than the, the three peppers together, the only other shapes that we looked at was like a triangle perhaps as a, as a, as a holding shape. Um, but this idea of representing the game um, with three different peppers using baseball imagery, three different ways with the intention to then pull them out separately as secondary marks where they could function on their own. So you have the, the one pepper who's uh, a pitcher, one who's a batter, and one who's a fielder. And the idea is together, they kind of symbolically encapsulate the entire game of baseball while still allowing for these independent usages on their own as, as uh, individual marks. You know, one of the interesting things about this, this is one of these brands that that came out uh, you know, around COVID, right? So the, the team was founded in 2020, didn't play their first season. So this brand had to basically live for a year on its own without actually ever being on the, the the field. You surely did not know that that was going to be the case as you were creating the brand. But once it was out there in the world and then the team didn't play for a year, what's that like for you as a designer? How important is it to you as a designer that the the brand live and breathe on the field so that people can really experience it? You know, it's funny you say that because honestly, we're always doing these things so far in advance of, of whenever they do go live. I mean, typically a year, two years is pretty standard, whether it's a, an event identity or a team identity. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of lose track. So, oh. <laughs> so when you mentioned that it was during COVID that they, you know, had were initially launched and didn't play for the following year. I, that's, a, that, that's, that's news to me. <laughs> I may have remembered that at the time, but just hearing that fresh today, it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. That did happen. So yeah. to be honest, Paul, it's a little bit of a blur. With okay. every club that we do, there's just uh, so much prep and lead time that that we account for. So uh, it didn't 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 necessarily phase us in in that regard, but but definitely a cool a cool fun fact. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's sort of interesting. I mean, I, there are certain teams I know that unveiled brands during that time that you know sort of talk a, a lot about how much you know merchandise they sold you know in a year when they didn't even play, and it's sure. you know. I think the the trash pandas are that the, would be the example. That's a great example. Yeah, the Rocket City trash pandas. I think they sold like four million dollars worth of gear, you know, in their first in their first year, right? So there are some teams that had to, to to deal with this. This is one of them. 
I was interested in the fact that this is the the there are several Tri-City teams out there, right? Like you've got the Tri-City Dust Devils, you've got the Tri-City Valley Cats, and now of course you have the the Tri-City Chili Peppers all in sort of different parts of the country. This particular Tri-City area is just south of where I spent 10 years in Richmond, Virginia. So this one is uh, Petersburg and Colonial Heights and Hopewell in in Virginia, and so that's an area that that I'm I'm somewhat familiar with. Like you say, I don't associate it necessarily with Chili Peppers. I have more sort of a uh, a, a grits and uh, a lot of fried food <laughs> association with it there. So the the idea of you know playing with this brand that is just sort of fun. You said there were trips to the grocery store to to look at peppers and whatnot. But building, you know, building a brand off of sort of a fun idea rather than some like super hyper specific, you know, connection to a, a location. What are the challenges for you as a designer in that regard? Well, to your point, this is this was definitely a little bit more. Uh, we had to take a step back at the beginning and say there's not really some low hanging fruit here that we can easily, you know, latch onto as far as the storyline. In a lot of ways, this you know, name really kind of kind of came out of left field, if you will, through the name the team contest, no real direct connections to the city, but certainly always a story to tell, always an opportunity uh, with any identity project. I mean, think of Savannah, uh, you know, and how much their name initially didn't seem like it connected to, you know, that city, but sure. obviously the the vibe works for, for the brand of baseball that they sell. So in that same vein, I mean, that was really the attitude that we took with this, where it's where when we talked to uh, leadership at the team led by Chris Martin, it was really all about how can we have a fun brand that attracts families and uh, really is just uh, emblematic of something that everyone in the three towns wants to be a part of. And so uh, that's where, again, we really just tried to create something that felt really animated and fun. So obviously it was going to be a, a situation where we brought the peppers to life and so we just explored a lot of different iterations of what that personality was for each of them. If they each had different personalities, we looked at different types of peppers. So we had certainly chili peppers, but anytime you're doing a character, there's opportunity to explore. So we, you mentioned ghost peppers uh, prior to our call. So we looked at we looked at ghost pepper characters where it was kind of faded out in white and blue and gray and kind of a little bit unexpected, but certainly a way to bring it to life in an interesting way. We looked at dragon's breath peppers where, you know, the pepper kind of took on this form of a dragon head with the fire coming out of its nostrils. And so there was really some fun with chili peppers itself, kind of a play on words with uh, a frozen pepper with a bat with icicles uh, kind of left in the freezer a little bit too long <laughs> for anyone who uh, accidentally puts peppers in, in their freezer. Uh, so those were all really fun ways to explore what the possibilities were, but very quickly the team landed on this idea of, we really like more of that traditional route of just kind of a fun you know, almost like uh, very Disney-esque animated characters. It just felt fun, very inviting, very warm. I guess very warm. <laughs> <laughs> right, there's literal flames. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was it was a fun process. So you mentioned the personality of the the Chili Peppers themselves, and uh, to me, it looks like so. You've got yellow on the left and green on the right. Those two are playing defense. the The yellow one is about to throw a ball. The green one has a glove. They both have kind of sweet, innocent looks on their face, like they've got the big, you know, dinner plate round eyes <laughs> and, you know, sort of little smiles. And then the one in the middle is red, sort of a devilish red and has a, more of a grimace. And even like the the stem or the stalk on the top of them looks a little bit like a mohawk almost, right? Like so. <laughs> So if we're talking about personality here, my my interpretation is that the two playing defense are, you know, sort of sweeter, innocent, slightly smaller. The one in the middle with the baseball bats, a little bit more menacing. He's got his furrowed brow and his smirk rather than a smile there. So what went into to choosing the personalities and, and making those decisions as you were designing? So, yeah, we probably spent the majority of the process. Once, once we landed on this idea of three peppers representing the towns, more of that very Disney look, we probably spent the majority of the time working through what the, what the facial expressions were to find the right tone. And, and uh, it took us a few rounds, but eventually we came back with that, you know, it was a little bit of mischief in his, in his uh, uh, facial expression there with the red pepper and the team immediately loved it. Kind of that raised eyebrow, the slick back, uh, you know, implied hair with the, with the stem, it all kind of works. And that was something that as soon as they saw it, they said, that's our guy. That's, that's the one we want kind of leading, leading the brand, if you will. And uh, the other two kind of flank it in a way where it complements Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about kids marks and appealing to a broad audience, the, 
you know, that red pepper gives you a little bit, bit more of that, you know, competitive, aggressive range with its personality, but the other two certainly uh, skewed to a younger demographic, which was one of their main objectives. Sure. And then in terms of like alternate identities, alternate brands, I mean, or, or even, you know, subsets of this brand, you know, sometimes, especially now in minor league baseball, you're going to have like a, a, a primary identity and then 15 alternates, right? And so this one seems to to rely very heavily on the the pepper characters themselves. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there are, you know, sort of alternate brands that get away from the characters. Uh, is that right? That's correct. So the the focus here was trying to create something that had a little bit of a broader mass appeal. So um, sticking to just the characters, it lends itself well to a to a broader audience, uh, broader appeal, where you're being attracted more so to the characters themselves as opposed to uh, a letter mark. Um, the lettering itself is is the only other uh, real asset in the in the system. So kind of this fiery text with uh, flames to dot the eyes on chili, but but really complimentary in terms of the, you know, stylistically how it blends with the the overall theme. But again, a very compact, very simple package, which was, uh, again, one of the objectives that they had was to keep it nice and concise. However, once you extend beyond the the, the suite of logos itself, these uniforms that they have are are pretty far out there. Were you involved in, you know, the, the lime green sleeveless jersey and you know some of these other uh the red and black uh, looks that they have so i was more of just the vessel for that uh okay. chris and his team had a very clear vision of what they wanted the uniforms to be and that's where uh we looked at a, a number of different colors but they kind of had in their mind like man there's a huge opportunity here where you know we have these vibrant colors to work with why not have that translate onto the field and get away from more or less that standard you know road gray you know, they have a white home uniform, but certainly, you know, that that neon green with, with the sleeveless neon green jersey, the all black with the red, yellow and, and green trim. It just it works like you see it. It feels like it fits the theme. And, you know, one of the quickest or one of, you know, I, I would say arguably the, the 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 most identifiable feature of any identity is color. And so just being able to, you know, from a from a, a glance, seeing that seeing the team on the field, you immediately connect those uniforms to the chili pepper brand. And that was something that it was just a natural, it was a natural way that we could extend this onto the field. Yeah, it absolutely is. The color is the first thing that you see though. I have to say the the sleeveless one, it just is for me is something like, like, I know this is collegiate summer level wood bat baseball that this, anytime I see a sleeveless Jersey, I'm like, that is the uniform for like a biker bar softball team. And like, <laughs> I could, I could, I could totally see that one, uh, you know, out there on the field in, in that context as well. So those it gets are, your attention, you know, it, it gets does. your attention. It, it stands out. And, and anytime you're kind of a smaller club looking to carve out a niche in, in regard to a, an identity and, and some memorability, you know, in terms of, you know, having, having, uh, you know, fans remember, uh, remember who you are and make a connection. Anything you can do is kind of on the table at this level. So uh, that was that was a it seemed like a really natural solution. From a design perspective, creating a simple logo that features multiple characters is, I would imagine, something of a challenge because you have to create some sort of unifying thing that is the the the, the recognizable symbol of the team. How much of a challenge was that for you in this to take three characters and make it one recognizable symbol? It was challenging. Uh, I th I think our experience doing a lot of event marks really is was a great foundation for a mark like this, where any event mark you're typically working with, just as a sidebar, you know, you you typically have multiple lines of text, a couple of different images, certainly something to hold it together, a land, you know, uh, different symbols or landmarks associated with that with that event. And so just by and large, because a lot of our work is in the, in the event space for, for sports, you know, we kind of have that, uh, we've worked that muscle a lot, if that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. so kind of sw switching gears and working on an actual club identity that required juggling multiple feet, multiple elements into one, one mark didn't make it any easier per se, but certainly would say we had experience doing it, but trying to find that balance. It's all about getting the line weights correct, making sure that there's a proper hierarchy in place. You don't want any uh, any one of the uh, elements being too large or too small because it's got to be legible and work. And so that's where, again, when you look at the look at the way that the peppers are oriented, 
almost using that foreshortening and background foreground uh, dynamic to our advantage where that red pepper is really large and in the in the foreground and the other two peppers flanking in the background create a little bit of depth while still allowing for uh, legibility at small sizes. You mentioned the uh, earlier we were talking about like different kinds of peppers and different things that you had explored. I recall in a, in a conversation with our mutual friend, Dan Simon, uh, talking about the Burlington sock puppets. And there's a logo with two sock characters, right? Like, and it creates the possibility for alternate logos that are are just different versions of those characters, right? Like, so they have, you know, multiple sort of sock character logos. The Has the team explored the idea of taking some of like the, like the ghost pepper idea and making it an alternate identity or introducing sort of further characters based on, on chili peppers, you know, to sort of expand the brand a little bit and and introduce alternates. They have, as a matter of fact, that, that original chili peppers idea that we had where it was kind of icy blue with, with white and, and Navy kind of like think of Carolina, uh, Carolina baseball, that, mm-hmm. that overall look was inspiration behind an alternate identity. They, they rolled out last year. So taking that, that red chili pepper, that's really the hero of the brand and, and, you know, kind of putting them through the, through the, through the freezer, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you will. So that, that was a fun one they did last year. This year we're working on another one for, uh, the, not technically part of the Copa program, but inspired by, uh, Hispanic heritage. Um, obviously a lot of tie-in and opportunity that, 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 uh, chili peppers, the role that they play within that culture. So some fun things that we're looking at currently for next year with that, but, but certainly that was part of the vision too. And part of the reason why they landed on three very classic characters, if you will, it kind of provides a great foundation for the identity and opens up, uh, opportunity to do some fun one-offs that have uh, a little bit more of a, of a different take. Well, Sky, this is a, a a really fun brand, and I'm so glad that we've gotten the opportunity to chat a couple of times about uh, some different brands that you've worked on. There's many more out there, so uh, assuming you're amenable to it, uh, folks can expect to hear from you on the podcast again. But in the meantime, thanks so much for for joining me and chatting about this. Where can people find you on uh, on the socials? So our our site is skydesignstudios.com, S-K-Y-E, studio, designstudios.com. And then uh, as of now, just on Twitter, so at sky, S-K-Y-E underscore Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N. That's awesome. Sky, thanks so much. Everyone go follow Sky Design Studios. And Sky will be back on Baseball by Design for a future brand. Sky, thanks so much. My pleasure, Paul. Really enjoyed it. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so pleased to be speaking with Denise Kuhn, who is the Senior Research Specialist in Chili Peppers at New Mexico State University. Denise, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm happy to to, to chat about chili peppers always. <laughs> the, the shorthand, the way I found you online, the shorthand for the institute that you work for is the Chili Pepper Institute. Can you tell me what the Chili Pepper Institute is? Yeah, absolutely. So the Chili Pepper Institute was um, founded by Dr. Paul Bosland. He was the NMSU chili breeder for, gosh, almost over 30 years. He developed many, many types of chili peppers for the New Mexico chili industry and, and just home gardeners all over the world. Um, the Chili Pepper Institute is there to help us kind of get the 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 word out about chili peppers and really just... Um, give us an outreach venue to to educate and just to tell people about chili peppers. When people are asking you about chili peppers, like what are the things that what are the, what are the top, you know, three four questions that someone comes to you with I'm wondering this about chili peppers. Okay, so I think probably the number one question always asked is how do I get the heat to stop burning me? <laughs> and, and so any kind of dairy product, because dairy contains a protein called casein that actually breaks the binding site. So that's probably the best way to alleviate it. Um, and then just, you know, lots and lots of gardening questions. People are, are really super into gardening these days, especially since COVID. And so we get lots of gardening questions like what's wrong with my plant or, or what kind of fertilizer should I use or how much water, how much light, you know, all those sorts of things. So is the, is the research Institute itself something where people will come to you with questions? Do you field a lot of visitors or is it mostly sort of internal research based? 
Oh, we have a education center on the main NMSU campus, and we probably get anywhere from, gosh, 2,000 to 3,000 visitors a year. So we actually have people that will come to New Mexico just to visit the Chili Pepper Institute. We host the annual New Mexico Chili Conference that deals with the research side of it. And then we have, just like I said, our we, people email us questions. And so just for, you know, the home gardeners or the people at home wanting to know something about chili peppers, we're always there to answer questions. That is amazing. So you all are based in New Mexico. This baseball team has a great logo. It's a really fun logo. They're based in Virginia, which is not exactly known for its chili peppers. What sort of climate do you, do you need to for chili peppers to really thrive? The, the, the vegetable, not the baseball team. <laughs> right. So, so actually chili peppers um, originated in um, the Amazon rainforest. So, so they were kind of like this, this viney little berry type fruit that uh, loved lots of water, lots of humidity and, and kind of like moderate temperatures, but over natural and, and human selection over thousands of years, we have adapted them to grow in certain areas. And New Mexican type chili peppers, like the, the ones that do like green enchiladas or red enchiladas or like salsas, um, those have adapted to New Mexico's climate, which is arid. We don't get a lot of rain. Um, we usually have a lot of really hot temperatures throughout the summer. And so we've adapted those chili peppers to thrive and actually produce really great yields in kind of a, an environment that's, that's usually not so friendly to plants. I feel like we have this this habit of of taking something beautiful and wonderful and taking it to extremes. So obviously people are constantly trying to find ways to make chili peppers hotter and hotter and hotter. At what point does a chili pepper become dangerous? A chili pepper can become dangerous for someone who doesn't know what they're getting into. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um I have attended many fiery food shows where individuals are like eating some of or tasting even some of the hottest stuff on the planet and they don't realize how hot it is and how painful it can be and don't realize that eventually it's going to dissipate. They don't think that. So a lot of people kind of freak out about it. And I've seen people taken to um, the ER because they, they have panic attacks or they have, um, you know, they start to hyperventilate because they don't realize that eventually it's going to go away. Yeah. It hurts really bad right now, but it's going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's people that know what they're getting into that just keep doing it. So there's that aspect too. <laughs> right. So these people are intentionally inflicting this upon themselves what is it a dare is there like a like a certain pleasure that comes with this heat or is it just uh, just showing off um there's actually it's been proven that eating really really hot and spicy chili peppers releases endorphins oh so people a lot of people out there love that endorphin rush that they get from doing it and so they just keep going and and seeking out hotter and hotter and and it's just like people who seek out in, endorphin rushes from from athletics or from you know um extreme sports so it's the same sort of thing so this is i'm gonna i'm gonna change gears on the type of question that i'm asking here but i i keep alternating between spelling chili with an e and chili with an i and every time i do it it looks wrong you all spell it with an e the team spells it with an i who's right who's wrong all right so botanically um a chili pepper is spelled with an E, C-H-I-L-E. And that's where it's horticultural, it's in your backyard, that's the plant. Um, and, and we've kind of like to refer to anything that's spelled with an I as um, the, the dish that kind of originated in Texas that has a protein and has beans and has chili powder mixed in that makes you that nice, you know, Texas chili dish. Um, that, but some people, still spell it with an I and that's completely fine. But um, because we're working with the plant and everything, that's why we spell it with an E. So you've seen the the logo for this baseball team and you've, you've seen those peppers. Can you identify what kind of peppers those are right away just by looking? I would have to say they look more like a jalapeno than anything else, maybe a Fresno type pepper. Given the 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 qualities that athletes have, that baseball players have, 
Is there a specific kind of pepper that you would recommend for a team? Maybe one in New Mexico. I know you already have the Albuquerque isotopes there. That's a great team. But is there a kind of pepper that you would recommend for a baseball team to like be the fiercest, most intimidating baseball team they can be? I would definitely say, you know, since they've already got that cute little logo, I would definitely say maybe that's a jalapeno because jalapenos provide a good punch and they, and they, they kind of, they get you. And so, so I think that would be great. I think, I think that would, that would be my best uh, way to deal with that question. <laughs> <laughs> what are, I, you probably get this all the time. I'm sure this is a really trite question, but what are the spiciest peppers? Well, so just in the last 10 years or so, we have discovered what's called super hot peppers. Mm. And and those belong to um, a specific species called Capsicum chinenses. Um, they did not originate in China, so we're not quite sure where they got the chinense moniker. But these are things like the ghost pepper, um, the Trinidad scorpion, the Maruga scorpion, and the Carolina reaper. And they're all above 1 million Scoville heat units. So, so those guys are super, super hot peppers. Um, they are painful. In my opinion, they don't taste good. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of, you, you know, this is, this is going to be a personal question for you here, what, especially in New Mexico, which is famous for certain kinds of, of peppers, what is your favorite way to consume uh, a pepper? So I'm going to have to say there's a couple of different ways. Um, okay. Salsas, I absolutely love growing jalapenos and tomatoes in my home garden. And when I get to make fresh homemade salsa with those jalapenos, it's just an absolute delight. Um, and then our New Mexican type chilies that we make green and red chili out of with with the the enchiladas or the the rellenos or or even um, uh, just uh, just green chili anything red chili sauces you know those I grew up on those so so those are kind of in my heart and will stay there forever. And when you are asked the question green or red, what do you answer? I say Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> That's my favorite answer too. I I I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, and so you know it's not too far for us to get to New Mexico. And every time I'm there, I love love ordering anything Christmas style, green and red. I love that. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Denise, thank you so much. This has been a, a ton of fun to talk about peppers with you. Where can people find the Research Institute and, and your work online? Well, um, we have a worldwide website. It's cpi.nmsu.edu. And then from there, you can, if you wanted to visit us, visit us physically, we have um, a, an education center in Gerald Thomas Hall on the main NMSU campus. And you can always give us a call, shoot us an email, come visit us any time of the year. That is in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Denise, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. And uh, go Peppers. Hopefully, I hope that the... Tri-City Chili Peppers need to send you guys some gear here so that you can uh, proudly proudly support the Chili Peppers. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll reciprocate it and send them some great gear too. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Denise. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Hi there, friends. This is Paul checking in from the future. Just wanted to give you a quick note about the Studio Simon Stumper that you're about to hear. Just days after we recorded this segment, wouldn't you know it, Dan texts me with a link to an article on NPR about Pepper X, a brand new pepper that has been developed with a Scoville heat unit measurement of almost 2.7 million, making it the hottest pepper ever. At the time of this recording, we did not know that this was in the works, and it certainly was not public information yet. So this is brand new information, breaking news here on the Baseball by Design podcast. Now we'll get on to the Studio Simon Stumper as previously recorded. All right, everyone, welcome back. It is time once again for a Studio Simon Stumper where designer extraordinaire Dan Simon, live from Louisville, Kentucky, from his very own studios, brings us a trivia question related to this week's featured team. Dan, good morning. How are you? I am fine. I want to um, clarify something you just said. You, re oh you referred to this as my very own studios. Um, mm. This is the name of my business is Studio Simon. So it's singular. I have but one studio and it is my very own, um, but it is a studio and it does not constitute studios. So it is. 
It is Dan Simon's singular Studio Simon. Yes. We do call it Studio Simon Stumpers, mm -hmm. but, uh, and sometimes it is indeed plural. I, I, we, we will do a double stumper every now and then. Um, today's stumper is singular, like my studio, and here it is. <laughs> um, this episode features the Tri-City Chili Peppers. Um, chili Peppers, I suppose by definition, are spicy or hot. Um, and they come in degrees of heat. Um, and these degrees, for those of you who don't know, and something I certainly didn't know until I was doing my research for this trivia question, um, chili peppers' hotness is measured on the Scoville scale, named for American pharmacist Wilbur Scoville, who in... 1912, that's uh, 111 years ago, developed this, the eponymous test that measures the spiciness of chili peppers. Um, and so our studio, Simon Stumper Singular today asks, which of these three is the hottest chili pepper in the world? These are all real chili peppers. There's no two truths and a lie here. These are all real chili peppers, but only one is the hottest in the world. A, the Carolina Reaper. B, brain strain. Or C, devil's tongue. These are all great names. Would all be great names for a minor league baseball team. Uh, every once in a while, Dan, you ask me a question that I actually know from experience what the answer is. This is one where I actually think I know the answer, but I'm I'm questioning myself just a little bit. But I can tell you that my um, my daughter Olivia, uh, future guest on this podcast, uh, by the way, uh, stay tuned for that, everyone. But uh, my daughter Olivia and a friend, when they were young, somehow got hold of a Carolina Reaper and made like a YouTube video of themselves like testing this pepper and and trying to like take a bite and see how that went for them. And it uh, it ended predictably poorly. <laughs> I am pretty sure that the answer to this question is the Carolina Reaper. I think that's the hottest chili pepper. I figured when I was putting this uh, question together that there's no way you would possibly know this because who know who would know this really? <laughs> you know, we, we've heard of of of. Um, you know, banana peppers, jalapeno peppers, cayenne peppers. We've heard of those. But who has heard of these named varieties of peppers? There's apparently dozens, if not hundreds, of them. So I just figured you had a one in three shot. You had to take a guess. You had a 33% chance of, of getting this right. But um, not only did you get it right, you, you knew it. This was not a guess. That is the correct answer. Now, the the on this this Scoville scale, it's measured in Scoville heat units, SHUs. Okay. The Carolina Reaper, it has an SHU of over two million. Now, out of context, that means nothing. So let's put that into context. Two million SHUs. To put that in perspective, a banana pepper, which I just mentioned, is zero to 500 SHUs. Wow. Okay, somewhere in that range. A jalapeno pepper, which is a bit hotter than a banana pepper, is 2,500 to 5,000 SHUs. Again, compared to 2 million. Um, and a cayenne pepper is from 30,000 to 50,000. So cayenne pepper is pretty hot. Yeah. And when you consider its max of 50,000, whereas a Carolina Reaper is 2 million, that just gives you an idea of how hot a Carolina Reaper is. And now for whatever it's worth, the, the other two I mentioned, the brain strain is pretty darn hot as well at 1.35 million SHUs, which is still just about half as hot as a that's, Carolina Reaper. It's plenty. It's plenty. Yeah. Um, and the devil's tongue, while indeed hot, um, is a comparatively benign 125,000 to 325,000 SHUs. 
So um, there's some stuff I guarantee you, few people out there listening, baseball fans are not, probably even chefs who specialize in spicy food wouldn't even know this. So um, we're, are, are we the better now that, that for knowing this? I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> I think we are. When is knowledge bad? And, and you know, it really, it highlights to to me sort of how I enjoy spiciness, which is, comp- where did you say comparatively benign? I'm, <laughs> I'm all good with comparatively benign when it comes to spiciness. I like spicy food, but I don't need to see my food as like a dare, right? And so I was actually in Las Vegas this past weekend and uh, Hattie B's Hot Chicken, which is a staple of Nashville, Tennessee, now has a spot in in Las Vegas. And so my buddies and I, we went to Hattie B's and I remember the first time I went to Hattie B's in Nashville proper, my friend Al said to me, he said, don't be a hero, get the medium. You don't have to get the hot because the hot will wreck your day. And I did. I followed his advice. I got the medium instead of the hot and I was very pleased and it was plenty spicy. So the fact that that researchers like Denise Kuhn are <laughs> are out there trying to, to create spicier and spicier peppers is like, okay, that's a fun exercise, but I don't need it. It's uh, I'm good with my comparatively benign spiciness. That's the thing with peppers. It's not like these, at some point, I'm sure some of these were just natural. They were found in nature. People use them for cooking and to spice things up. But there were people out there who are are trying to make even hotter peppers. They do these hybrids and stuff. That's how the Carolina Reaper came to be. It's not just somebody found that growing somewhere and and taste it and go and said, wow, this is hot. It's like, let's make this really hot. For me, um, if you eat something and it makes you sweat, it's too hot. I like spicy. I don't like to sweat when I'm eating spicy food. So that's how come when you and I shared a plate of wings in Alabama on our baseball road trip last year, we agreed on the level of spiciness. I think you and I are uh, pretty compatible when it comes to that. Dan, This has been, as expected, a spicy episode of this podcast. Appreciate you bringing the heat, as you always do. Thank you once again. We'll see you next week for episode 100. Uh, See you then.